0: Hey folks, welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch Podium. This episode is the Qatar Grand Prix preview and there is a ton to talk about, as always, right? And today we'll be discussing a lot about the circuit, firstly, what is it about? Is it ready enough for Formula 1? Because of course it's primarily a MotoGP circuit, all its intricacies, all the challenges about it. And then the title battle between Red Bull and Mercedes about how Red Bull can potentially come up with a fight back over here more on the midfield and of course a little bit about the potentially upcoming FIA hearing from today about the incident between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton all of this and more on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits the Podium. Hey folks, welcome back into the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits the Podium. My name is Somal Rora, host of the Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar. Joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team. And Kunal, I just love the fact that this Formula 1 dream run continues, where we just end up going to every single circuit that we fantasy imagine Formula 1 to go. So Mugello, Imola, what else? Uh, Algarve. Now this, Qatar. It's amazing. All the circuits that a couple of years ago we used to drive on a set of Corsa with Formula 1 cars are now happening in real life and... It's amazing to see Kata on the calendar finally. I mean, we always thought, when will it be here? Finally, it's happened. Finally, it's happened. Yes. New circuit on the calendar. And this is after
1: having like new circuits thrown at us pretty much every other race <laughs> last year. So it's great to have a, a new circuit. And like you said, it's traditionally a MotoGP circuit. And uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, the premier class of uh, four wheel racing go racing on that as well. So look out for all the MotoGP versus Formula One data that everyone's going to throw mm. at you, you know, top speeds and lap times and all of that. But yeah, yes, so well, you know, Qatar, uh, the, it's uh, the first of the last three races that's going to be in the Middle East for the season. And my mind actually goes back to think uh, of how, uh, you know, Formula One is spread out over Europe and over the Middle East because you've got Bahrain, sometimes you've got Bahrain twice over then you've got Qatar now. Uh, of course, Qatar is not there on the calendar next year, but it returns with a ten-year contract in 2023, right? <laughs> we've got the Saudi Arabia, and then we've got Abu Dhabi. So that's like 20, 40 percent of the races. Uh, sorry, 20 percent of the races on the calendar are in the Middle East yet, and that this influence is only going to grow.
0: I-, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Great to see so many other countries like, as you mentioned, the UAE, Bahrain, all the others coming up. And now you can't quite say it's just a European sport, is it? You've got to give some influence to the UAE and the Middle East as how they've all come together and carved out uh, pretty much a safe haven for Formula 1. That Whenever Formula 1 has to come up and have a set of races, it can always just fall back, of course, to Bahrain as it usually was. But now to these circuits as well. Great stuff to see that happening. But... Kunal, in particular, this weekend, we see the title battle continuing. We see Max versus Lewis happen yet again. But the circuit is a bit of a unique place to come to because, as, you, as we all mentioned, it's a MotoGP circuit. And yes, we have gone over that a lot of times. But the characteristics of it, for a MotoGP bike, it's, it's a bit uh, medium to high speed. But for Formula 1, a lot of the corners are just pretty much flat out. And this will just offer a tremendous challenge, especially the whole Turn 12 to 14 section, which essentially is an elongated version of Turn 8 at Turkey. But in reverse, it's just amazing to see these kind of set sort of corners.
1: You know, it's it's like Herman Tilke made this one really fantastic corner and then pretty much every other circuit uh-huh. has used it the same way or in the reverse layout and, and so on. So it's going to be an exciting layout for sure. One big challenge that teams are already seeing and we are hearing that pretty much everyone say is a difficulty in overtaking that's going mm. to be because there's literally one overtaking hotspot as, as we call it uh, you know, there's one DRS on the main straight leading into heavy braking into turn one, you know, fairly textbook stuff. I would say when it comes to circuit design, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's going to be important to have track position in qualifying Sommel, Very, very key. And, uh, it would be important to make sure that, uh, You sort of don't run behind traffic a lot of times because you might need significant pace advantage Mm -hmm. to make an overtake. So this lays emphasis on getting the correct uh, tire strategy during during the races as well. So it might eventually just be a very boring race full of tire management because tire degradation, nobody has a clue of. It's expected to be high because of obvious reasons, you know, I mean, even the racing is in colder, uh, colder temperatures, uh, you know, and, and Pirelli are bringing their hardest C1 tire compound. So lots of unknowns for, uh, you know, the teams and drivers as they, they head in sawmill. And, uh, you know, I, I have, I have two, two things on this unknown part. We actually had a lot of unknowns last season as well, mm-hmm. but this season, there's lesser free practice time. That's the key part, right? Mm. And then the second, going back to the whole Middle Eastern influence in the world of Formula One, there's actually a very interesting story written by Dieter Rankin, which I'm going to you know, share in our newsletter. So uh, for all those who have subscribed to it, we'll, of course, get a chance to read it. If not, just come and subscribe to it. It's about how Sir Jackie Stewart influenced the first ever race in Bahrain and then how pretty uh-huh. much every other every other Middle Eastern country has gone and had a race in itself. So very, very
0: fascinating story for me, Somal. And in 2004, Bahrain was a lot like uncharted territory. Like, oh, where is Formula One going? Oh, it's going to be too hot and all that. And look at it right now. As as you rightly mentioned, Gunal, 20% of all Formula One races, not exactly 20%, but there are thereabouts, right? Those, that number of races happening here in the Middle East. It's amazing. A bit of a weird nugget on Jackie Stewart as well. He also inaugurated the Madras Motorsports Club in India. So that's another fun thing relating back to him and racing circuits. But that aside, Qatar, uh, what sort of circuit do you expect this to be, Kunal? You mentioned it could be boring, but there's murmurs about this being a very hard surface potentially for the tyres, maybe a (laughs) three-stop. I mean, that, that just opens up a real world of wonder, doesn't it? To see that we could potentially have that many stops And also everyone's saying that this could be a very hard surface and it's not been resurfaced since 2004, basically. So there's an element of that as well. I'd love to see all of that happen because otherwise we
1: might just get stuck with drivers, uh, you know, driving within the scope of their tires. So Mm. limiting all the tire degradation, uh, that would mean slow paces, that would mean sitting behind somebody instead of making an overtaking attempt and uh, so on so that's going to be interesting but the, the the even more cool part sawmill is like all modern day circuits this has got a very smooth runoff area yeah so i'd love to see if our title protagonists are going to use the runoff area at low sale just like they did at Interlagos as well and you guys know exactly what i'm talking about here
0: or even Bahrain Kunal. Don't you remember first race of the season? We had a bit of a fun fight between Lewis and Max where they went side by side. Only difference is at some points at this circuit, there's actually grass uh, that, that tries to absorb the sand, if I make any sense. I was a bit shocked when I first read it as well. But that's going to be tremendous, tremendous right? And And it does feel a lot like Bahrain Kunal in the sense that there is a great sense of intrigue, much like Bahrain. There's the Middle East connection, obviously. But there's also the fact that it's a night race. There's the cooler temperature coming in. Everything just seems to be pointing in that direction. I think we've made absolutely no progress in the last 17, 18 races. And that's a good thing because the excitement has remained the same and the quality of the racing has remained the same all this while as well. And the question still remains the same. Can Red Bull and Honda catch up to Mercedes and their engine? Well... I have to add one more connection to Bahrain as well, which uh-huh. is
1: this whole talk of human rights and how Formula One wants to drive human rights conversations and sure, positivity it. around it. Well, typical. But can Mercedes hold on to their you know power unit might that they had in Brazil? That's going to be the key question because pretty much everyone is convinced that they were able to run a much higher mode in Brazil and that that mode will have to be tamed down at some point uh so that you know Lewis doesn't need more ICEs for the rest of the season but that could also flip the question around could Lewis Hamilton take a, a sixth or seventh or eighth ICE before the end of the season i mean pretty much at every race start uh, you know five positions down and still uh you know power his way through, through the field and then uh, claim a race win so that's gonna be the key question. You know, can Mercedes, of course, hold on to that power advantage? And what can Red Bull do to strike back? And for some reason, the Red Bull camp seems not very flustered by what happened in Brazil. So maybe they they know what's coming. Maybe they know that Mercedes cannot afford to use these you know, higher engine modes for as many more races of the season uh, and and maybe they will have to tame it down. So that's key, but, Today's Samuel is going to be this whole conversation around uh, Mercedes's right to review yep. of the Turn Four incident on Lap Forty Eight, uh, you know, between uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton in in Brazil. And I'd love to know what your
0: take is on all of that. Huh? That's a good one. Uh, as I mentioned on that previous episode, I think I get why the FIA called this to be a racing incident because. Obviously, you want them to race, you want things to be settled out on track. But when I first saw the incident myself, I was thinking, well, isn't that a penalty? It did, didn't Max actually have a bit of a room? Again, I'm not a racing driver. I may be wrong. It's just my opinion. Uh, Kunal is the one who's actually done the racing here. So look at him for that one. I've just put you under the bus, Kunal, right here. But honestly, uh, no, nah, I, when I first thought of it, I, I thought, yeah, maybe it should be a penalty. But. No, I, 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 again, get why it's a racing incident. See, I, I'm just confused myself. I'm ping-ponging. I'm not the racing driver over here. But what do you reckon, Gunal? Which way does the FIA go? It would be a shame, honestly, if the FIA played sportsport sport and said it's a penalty. But I've heard a few racing drivers say that, yeah, Max was a bit too aggressive in terms of forcing him out. So I think it just depends on who you want to win this championship that decides what your opinion on this matter is. That's actually very well said, you know, because how one sees
1: this uh, matter totally depends on who one is supporting, even if you're exactly. completely neutral. Human biases are at play full-time. Absolutely. I can I can vouch for that, right? But the the first thing before we go into whether it was a, a racing incident or a penalty or not, given the new, you know, onboard that actually got released of Max Verstappen's, mm-hmm. the first thing is, I like how uh, Mercedes has requested for a right to review, and I like how the FI is meeting today is about whether there should be a right to review. Because you know, the first thing I did is when I read Mercedes' statement, I went back to find uh, the FI notes, the official notes that they release about such incidents. And the truth is, they actually did not even investigate the incident, so there was no F official FI. Document around this. And that's when I thought that if it isn't investigated, how is it that Mercedes even has a right to review or not? Okay. Hmm. And to me, that's the reason why the FIA said, first, let's meet to understand if there should be a right to review at all or or not. Right. Then the second big uh, thing that happened was when FIA said that they did not have access to Max's on board. When uh, they were doing the whole, uh, you know, they, when when they were dealing with the incident real time at the Brazilian Grand Prix, now that part also got clarified because FOM or Formula One management, who does the broadcast, who owns all the cameras on the cars, right? There are only certain number of limited feeds that they have at all times, and it seems that at that time they only had access during the race they had access to max's rear-facing camera for whatever reason because lewis was attacking from the rear for example it was only after the race that they could download the front-facing camera footage that's why it wasn't available during the during the time that the FI actually discussed this incident so again a very technical thing right so I'd love to see how the FIA deals with this, because like I said, no investigation that was there, but Mercedes say there is new evidence that was found, which we all know, which we've all seen. Yeah. And there's this whole thing of it was a classic, you know, lift the brakes, understeer moment and so on. And my only my only point that I look out for here is where exactly was Lewis when they started to turn in? Because at the breaking, Lewis was ahead, but when they started to turn in, because Max braked late and maybe broke, braked a little less than Lewis, he was probably a little ahead himself. So, you know, again, I, I don't know where this is going to go, Summon.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually best to leave it to the guys who know. But it's intriguing where they had to wait for the end of the race to get Max's front-facing on-board camera. I thought with F1DV, you got all of that. But no, clearly, of course, they have only one feet per driver. So there's that. Ah, that's interesting. Okay, so uh, essentially, uh, we, we'll get to see what happens with the FIA about what they decide. But clearly, stop being a spoiled sport, the FIA. Don't do that. They just let it play out on the circuit. And and coming back to that whole point of Lewis Hamilton taking more engines, of course, it's linked to the whole conversation as well. I, I wonder if the, if Mercedes end up taking that gamble again. It's a bit of a hypothetical situation, this one. Who's going to be the Vitaly Petrov in that case? Because at Yas Marina, (laughs) genuinely, there is a chance of people not being able to overtake each other. But at Qatar also, Kunal, as you mentioned, bit of an issue, that one. Uh, Your thoughts on this battle before we move on to other things about this being a sustained Mercedes increase in pace? Or is this just a a flash in the pan or something like you can call it that way? Because as you mentioned, Red Bull don't look very phased about it.
1: They don't look phased. And each time anyone has spoken about, is Mercedes going to run away with it and Red Bull strikes back? Is Red Bull going to run away with it and Mercedes strikes back? Is this a Red Bull circuit and suddenly Mercedes is winning? Is this a Mercedes circuit and suddenly Red Bull is winning? So at this moment, I love the unpredictability. I love it that nobody literally can absolutely call it whatsoever whatsoever. And that's what I would love for it to be till literally the last lap of the last race of the season, summer
0: Yeah, even if it's not a big overtaking circuit, this one, I just want to see how both of the cars play out, right? Does Mercedes have that advantage? Is it... Uh, can Lewis Hamilton produce that uh, greatness that we saw from him in Brazil? Ah, so many questions to answer. And we'll find all of that and more when the race comes up. But also, Kunal, speaking of... Drivers and great performances and people not being able to understand and draw upon information about Qatar. Sergio Perez, funnily enough, who's actually one of the two drivers to have raced here, on the current grid that is, doesn't remember a thing about Los Angeles, even though he actually won a race here in the GP2 Asia series back in the day. So that nullifies any advantage that he would have potentially. I, I, I
1: <laughs> you know, I'm just sure that he knows the way to the podium. Uh, you know, when he gets off uh, the car and the park for me from park for me to the, fo- to the podium. So let's hope that he is able to that little information that he probably has held somewhere in his memory, but yes, he's the only driver to have one out here from the current grid. The other one being Nikita Mbazipin when he drove oh. in the t- 2014 MRF series or something like that. Yeah. So not, uh, not that I, care much about the other driver but yes Checo Perez can he be in the mix again can he you know we keep saying this for number two drivers it's it's going to be like we yeah. could have picked up some audio from the last 15 episodes played <laughs> it out now and it would still sound
0: the same Sommel <laughs> oh you're right you're so right about that and and in Brazil we thought that Sergio's uh, rise in pace was something more sustained but clearly they're still getting there. And, and that's the aspect. He got a bit held up by the VSC. But same question as you rightly said, Kunal. We could just play a clip of the last 15 episodes, which isn't to say that we're not creative. No, I, I'm I'm banging our own drums. Uh, we, uh, you get the point. <laughs> Thing is, it'll be fun to see what Sergio Perez can do in this case. Because honestly, no VSC. We saw the raw pace that Sergio had in the sprint race as well. Can we see something special in that sense happening? And what about the midfield, Kunal? Because honestly... It's it's Lando time now. McLaren and Ferrari are having this amazing battle. We're seeing this fight for P3 in the Constructors' Championship constantly being uh, heated up. But then Ferrari have just ran away with it of sorts. And you said in the last episode that it could be over until we see something sensational happening. Is this the time? Again, another high-speed circuit. Something what McLaren usually tends to favour, no? Yeah, I really hope it's the time because it's
1: so lovely to see them battle. And like we predicted earlier on in the season that, you know, Ferrari will just get there by virtue of two drivers scoring points consistently. Whereas McLaren's uh, need for Lando Norris to keep scoring a bulk of the point is what got them out. So again, sorry, Daniel, but that's literally seemingly what it's like, even though you scored McLaren's only victory this season. And I must say P5 is where I am extremely interested. Like Uh in Brazil, the two Alpine drivers worked so hard to keep Pierre Gasly at bay. And, you know, they were they were giving each other a toe. They made sure they split their strategies. They, they swapped and swapped positions back. And Fernando Alonso, for once, was being a team player in that case, right? But, you know, Pierre Gasly still did his thing, and he overtook both the Alpines on track. So I'm looking forward to seeing if Pierre Gasly is able to keep uh, Alpha Tauri ahead of Alpine because that to me is a fantastic statement in itself because I remember you know there there were these really dominant seasons Sebastian Vettel he outscored uh, the team that was second in the constructors championship mm-hmm. you know so the drivers champion had so many points yep. that he was the cons- that that Vettel actually took the driver and the constructors championship that season and. Could Pierre Gasly do something similar? Could he single-handedly get Alpha Tauri ahead
0: of Alpine? That would be fantastic. A Frenchman beating a French manufacturer. And you know the fun part Kunal, the reason why it's very possible is because they're fighting over positions like P8, P9, P10, but there's only marginal points. So in the last race, Gasly was 9th, Alonso 10th, Ocon 11th, which means that Gasly got two points, Alpine got one. Even though both their drivers were not that far behind in terms of time as well. So it's amazing where Pierre Gasly could actually end up doing that in that case. And if you're wondering, well, what's the difference in terms of points between them? A grand total of nothing, Kunal. That's nice. 112 points. They're, they're absolutely tied. And yeah, this, this is just turning out to be, again... I love how when we're disappointed with Bond Battle, we just move our expectations a little bit lower and there's always something happening over there. <laughs> Story of the last few years in Formula 1, but this is still pretty exciting. It is. And, you know,
1: uh, Pierre Gasly, the number of top 10 finishes he, he's had, the number of top six finishes he's had, we've done we've done the stats in the previous episodes as well. He is really making a case uh, for, you know, Red Bull to be like, okay, we, we need to figure if, if Gasly is probably going to be stronger than Checo Perez in 2023, of course it's several races ahead. But you never know if a mid-season swap could just happen in 2022. But finally, Somil, the the interesting part again for the Losail International Circuit, you know, uh-huh. from uh, the P1 at the start finish line to Turn One is 450 meters. Ooh. That's going to matter a, a fair bit, I would say. Uh, hopefully, you guys know what I'm talking about: slipstreaming and toes and all of that. Two, three, four cars entering the corner. Uh, then, of course, the the key sessions that matter will be held after sunset, so they Correct. will be in cooler conditions. The track will be cooler, the ambient temperature will be cooler, whereas all the practice will happen when it's, of course, warmer through the day. So, you know, again, those that interesting to see how teams and drivers adapt to to such kind of circuit characteristics. Of course, it's not new. Uh, like we've been saying, it happens in Bahrain, it happens in Abu Dhabi as well. Hmm. So all in
0: all, a step into the unknown for all of us this weekend, Samal. So are you telling me, Kunal, that the driver in P3 might just have the best chance of leading at Turn 1? There could be, There could be one, something like that. Who knows how it's going to play out? And the amazing part is, even if the driver leading at Turn 1 gets away at the start. You know for a fact that there'll be some sort of drama in the middle. That's what's characterising the 2021 F1 season and we want to see more of that in Qatar. And folks, thank you for listening to this episode. That's all we have for but We'll join you On Monday, Monday morning, essentially everywhere around the world, we'll come up with the race review for the Qatar Grand Prix and also the verdict on the FIA's decision about the Bahrain race. So stay tuned for that one. See you right there. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of this episode, Kunal. And we shall see you in a couple of days. Enjoy the weekend.